this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of 99 Potions, the premier fanbite RPG podcast. That's role playing gulag because we are here with you trapped in a, this big, wide old world called Earth, which is not where most RPGs tend to take place because we are here to talk about games that takes place in, uh, let's say, the world of Final Fantasy, the world of the Lands Between, the worlds of Sekiro, the worlds of Haven, which I think is, I don't think is on Earth, the worlds of Forspoken, which is definitely not Earth because that's an isekai, that's the whole point, Soul Hackers is on Earth. Uh, we're doing a news quest this week, and I am Stephen Strum, Senior Managing Editor of Fanbyte.com. I am joined, as is so often the case, by Assistant Managing Editor. Hi. Natalie Flores. Hi. Uh, you have to make it so that I go after you every single time because, mm. like, we come in a package. Like, if you yeah. mentioned John before me, that's like breaking up the senior assistant managing editor package. And right. I don't like that. Also, um, listeners, yeah, as you heard, uh, we are doing a news quest this week. And you might be saying, but don't you do news quests at the end of every month? in the last week, or like you supposedly ostensibly try to, and I would say, yes, absolutely. But we're moving it up because of Strangers of Fucking Paradise. <laughs> Stranger of Paradise. Gonna, we'll, <laughs> we will get to that next week. So the, we decided yeah. to move this up because like, fuck. You're, you're right, though, about uh, one thing, Natalie. Well, you're right about many things, but you're right about one thing in particular that I want to shout out, which is that we are two peas in a pod. We are always finishing each other's sentences. Yeah! <laughs> Somebody who I would trust to finish my sentence if it was a life or death situation is John Warren, editor of Large. <laughs> you said editor, you were like, wait, that's not part I of John's edit, title. I edit, I edit all the larges um, on, the, on the website. How much largesse? Yeah. You know, you're all about the largesse coverage, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have actually found several issues with the website over the past couple of weeks. So I do feel like an editor, mm, but that's. Yeah. You but edit it's our like, heads, which are large. I edit, which are very large. I, Natalie's is especially large since we gave her a cool new title. <laughs> Seems like a mistake, doesn't it? It has gone to my head. I'm like, yeah. ooh. And then I had to do the work, you know, that bespokes the title. And I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> Natalie, Natalie just gets like progressively more aggressive throughout the year until by the like January of next year, she's just smoking cigars and waving around a gun. <laughs> 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 uh, 
John, John very excited about that prospect. John already knows it's coming. I already know it's coming. She's going to be ruling this place. It's inevitable. It's fine. I mean, I need, I need to sleep. That's true. That is yeah. true. We all need some yeah. sleep eventually. It's true. But there's no sleep until Stranger Brooklyn. Paradise. Let's get oh. into Oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I take back that thing about finishing sentences from before. <laughs> you are not making me finish any sentence pertaining to that game. Absolutely uh, not. God, I can't wait for next week. This is just an appetizer <laughs> for next week's great episode of the show. Uh, oh, on is that it episode, Stranger of Paradise or Strangers of Paradise? Stranger of it's Paradise. Stranger of Paradise. Well, I'm gonna say Strangers because fuck that game. Okay. <laughs> well, you can, <laughs> you can so say funny. anything you want about it next week because we will have uh, news editor Imran Khan on the show with us. Imran is on the International Space Station where he is live streaming the GDC show floor to watch that. That was a lot of work to go through Mm -hmm. considering he already lives out on the West Coast anyway and could have just gone there in person. But, you know, (laughs) you know, he uh, that's why we pay him the big bucks is because he does that extra mile, you know. So true. Yeah, I mean, going to the Moscone Center from probably where he lives is ostensibly the same thing as going to space. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, like Natalie has uh, <laughs> basically implied, we are doing a news quest. And as Jordan, our wonderful producer in the chat, as she was saying, we usually do that at the end of the month, points out. Uh, we haven't actually done it at the end of the month in like six <laughs> months. Like six so months. Yeah. I we think just kind of do whatever been we fucking feel like. Some instances in there where we've actually done it. Like news, yeah. news quest is whenever we fucking feel like it. Actually, it's usually <laughs> when we run out of shit to do. We're like, uh, uh, news quest. It's it's either when we run out of shit to do, or it's like, ah, fuck, we're recording this on Wednesday, and they just did a Nintendo Direct on Tuesday mm, that has like yeah. a million things in it. Yeah, that's true. Um, actually, Nintendo crafts their directs around news quests. I just want to oh, say Oh, it's okay. So it's in that direction. Got yeah. it. Right, 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 right. Miyamoto and Reggie, they did that for us. Yeah, so true. Even though Reggie's like not there anymore, but like, you know, he thinks about Miyamoto us. Miyamoto and Wario. <laughs> Speaking uh, of... Big bucks and not Nintendo. <laughs> people <who> love money. <laughs> and people who love money. Who do you think is enjoying a lot of money these days, Stephen? What is our first Great little segue. That's so news good. Uh, wow. point here? That's, I just want to say, like, already my skills as your managing, at a senior managing editor to your assistant managing editor, they're already rubbing <laughs> off on you because you're picking up my great segue skills, Natalie, because you just launched me into talking about Elden Ring over at From Software. Uh, that game has sold 12 million copies in 18 days. That's so many. That's a lot of copies of a video game, period. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to say to that almost, uh, other than what Natalie points out here, which is that Bloodborne, which is admittedly only ever been on one console, PlayStation 4, a console that sold like gangbusters, it's it's huge, but in seven months, uh, sold two million copies in 10 days. Sekiro, which I feel like oftentimes, despite being one of the best from software games, uh, which I know Jordan agrees with, (laughs) uh, sold (laughs) two million copies in 10 days, but a bit of a black sheep of the family. Four years after launch, Dark Souls 3 has sold 10 million units. Elden Ring, again, 
12 million in 18 days. That's that's like call of for some perspective, that's like call of duty level of sales. Yeah. Yeah. Um in 18 days. So that is kind of incredible. And only 18 only 1 million of that's in Japan. So it's really interesting to see how that's right. spread out. Um and uh yeah, that game is I mean, that game's really good obviously we could talk about that a long time, but we, we shouldn't. Um, but yeah, I, I was not surprised really about how many, I, I guess I was, I was, I was not surprised it sold well, but 12 million is even a quite a, a hair more than I expected. I expected maybe like eight to nine, something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah 12, uh, that's a huge number. It's just such I a can huge jump. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things. I think Merritt was actually the one who kind of said something along these lines in our Slack a little bit ago. It just seems like basically anybody who just keeps at a certain thing that has a bit of a cult following for long enough now, eventually, if you do a thing where it either looks like it's the end of a thing and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a great jumping on point because I can just go through and do all of the do it all at once. Or it's the beginning of a new thing, which in this case, obviously, Elden Ring is a new um, IP, IP and not, yeah. you know, it's obviously a, basically an open world Dark Souls if the in the most reductive form <laughs> of that. But it is basically also a new IP. Um, yeah, it's, it's like what we saw with Monster Hunter. I feel Monster like. Hunter. Yeah. You know, Monster Hunter, is- Hitman. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Mm-hmm. What was and the, they had since example, confirmed yeah. that they do plan on making Elden Ring its own franchise, so. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot yeah. of sense. There's no possible way that they aren't jumping on this, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure they've got DLC plans. From Software has almost always, with the exception of Sekiro, done DLC, at least one big expansion for every game that they've put out since uh, Dark Souls 1. And I would have expected them to, and people have already kind of data mined and went around with a lot of that stuff uh, to figure out like, oh, if you clip into this arena over here, it looks like a PVP area. And a lot of Dark Souls games would often have like, okay, here's a big story expansion. But as part of the story expansion over here, we've tucked away a PVP arena. So that's nothing new for them necessarily. Mm -hmm. And in addition to any future DLC, it also seems like Elden Ring will be getting a study influx of major patch updates. Uh, The first one dropped very recently and it brought balance and quality of life changes, but it also did bring additional content for several NPC side quests, including an all new NPC with their own supply. The little, (laughs) the little jar dude. Yeah, jar the jar baron. Burn, yeah. That's Scottish for baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scottish jar baby. That's cute. But yeah, it um, seems like development was down to the wire, which is not surprising yeah. to see. But it's, yeah, like first I mean, major patch updates already getting started on adding that content that wasn't there. <laughs> I, sh- I should be, yeah, I, was, I think you at the end there nailed it, which is that, like, that content is very much circling back to what you were saying, John, Monster Hunter, another good example of a game that had the same problem. Monster Hunter Rise launched and very clearly did not have end of end game stuff in it that it was supposed yeah. to be having. And they just patched that in later and, like, called it a content update when it was very clear that, <laughs> no, this the is the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's. Same thing happened in Elden Ring. There's just like major NPCs is in that game, like side quests where you would go and talk to them and be like, boy, I really hope I can find somebody who does this for me. 
And then they yeah. just wouldn't talk anymore. <laughs> and now it's revealed like, oh, okay, this character who just kind of petered out, this character who just kind of petered out, and this character who kind of just petered out all have a quest line together. And now that quest line is finished and you can actually go do it. They had collective anxiety. They were like not mm. sure about telling you that they wanted you to embark on a side quest. But then they, you know, conferred together in a little meeting and were like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, they had little flags that they held up and they were like, this is this is my talkie flag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Natalie, I think this is more of a topic on this next one for you. Yeah, so while you all let me defend for myself here. You literally told me to not be on yesterday, last um, week's episode. Like I said, while you all let me defend for myself <laughs> Here in the lands between you said go fuck yourself, get out of here, and trolls and God knows what else. I did have a wonderful episode last week, <laughs> genuinely wonderful, with kind of focusing on the romance RPG Haven. Uh, on March four, it got a new couples update, which uh, allows you to play as the starring couple, uh, which originally was a woman named you and a man named Kay, you can play them as a same-sex relationship. Uh, so last episode of last week, we discussed Haven, which originally came out in 2020, and this update, which was just released earlier this month. Uh, and we talked about queerness in games. We talked about why we're playing this game in 2022, uh, what makes you know the inclusion of the same-sex romance uh slash relationship so enticing to us and a bunch of other things including uh the developer interview that kenneth had which the with the creative director um so for that you can read kenneth's wonderful article over at fanbyte which is called haven proves games can be queer inclusive if there's the will but we also did discuss it in various forms as well as the game last week so it's a it's a good episode i recommend listening to it mm -hmm. mm. i can't believe natalie had the audacity to put together a good episode without us <laughs> it's really fucked up isn't it john yeah i mean I, ho I hope it was good i was so nervous because like it was also you know the, the first week like i started that wednesday that we recorded oh yeah like, that was your first day yeah, yeah my first day in my new role if anyone has missed out it's just the managing editor <laughs> and so yeah i had to announce it and i was like so nervous. Mm. I actually didn't. I mentioned it in the podcast episode, but uh, I didn't sleep very well the night before. And I'm like, I told you? my mom, yeah, Not I was at a That's true. But I was like, like even more so than usual. I was nervous, and I felt myself nervous. And I told my mom, and I'm like, I don't get why I feel like I'm on my way to the first day of the semester or like the school year, I'm just logging into Slack a little earlier than usual. <laughs> I mean, you've got more responsibilities. You're doing more stuff. You're, it's like, you're doing it's like stuff you, like me. You audited a class for like a year and a half and then you're like, I guess I'll enroll. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, John, since yeah. Natalie had such a good episode last week. Sure. What if we just recorded our own episode? Mm. Just me and you. Oh, what, a, what about? 
just us arguing over <laughs> which came first, the Yakuza or the Shinmu, and which is better. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, it needs to be like an episode that will last more than five minutes. It'll last more than five minutes. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Sure. Well, we you're could free do to do that if you want to lack the flavor, the Latina flavor that ah, I bring to this podcast. You, you can never, go ahead and do that. I would never do that intentionally. I would never do that. No. No. <laughs> we love having Natalie here too much. Uh, and we love to talk about. Do we love to talk about The Witcher? I like uh, The Witcher. No, I love yeah, The yeah, Witcher. Yeah, we, I think all three of us like The Witcher okay, on this okay, podcast. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Witcher whore. I can't remember. Oh, right, you are. You have a cat named Yennefer. You have a cat named Yennefer. <laughs> I have a cat named Yennefer. And yeah. I, I think I've mentioned it before, but I started The Witcher 3. A friend bought me it after it was announced at the respective The Game Awards of that year, that it was Game of the Year. And then... That was in December, and by the end of January, while balancing a part-time job, freelance writing, and full-time school, I read all the Witcher novels. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Y'all, knew- y'all know how it is when I hyperfixate. It gets bad, yeah. but I, I, did, I did the thing. So I am a certified Witcher whore. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean... I haven't like a I horror, used to be if you will. I mean <laughs> Yeah, but 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 Natalie, have you tweeted at Jason Schreier that Cyberpunk uh, that CD uh, that Witcher 3 is your uh, uh, what is it? You said something to Jason Schreier. I'm Dragon Schreier. Ages 4? Yeah, yeah, I'm Dragon Ages 4. Uh, That's what yeah. you tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> you, you haven't done yep, you haven't done that. I don't know if it's official. Um, no, but I, I should. I really should. I'm just, uh, I'm whore for a lot of things. There's there's <laughs> a lot of whore wholeness in my heart. Have yeah. you, have, how many uh, watches of Arcane are you uh, <laughs> Don't ask. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you sounded so resigned. So uh, defeated. So I'm, I'm just about wrapping up with my ninth. Yesterday I squeezed, because I've been trying to pace myself to one episode shit. per oh night. My God. Pace yourself. Got, nine <laughs> rewatches. Yeah, and then yesterday my mom told me that she wouldn't mind watching Arcane with me again. So I was like, ooh, my death one is already planned out. So... <laughs> Anyway, The Witcher. Already, uh, what are you talking? No, no, no. Hold on. What are you talking about? Is already planned out. Yeah, because my mom's open to it, so I'm like, okay, my tenth watch has been, you know, scheduled, and I don't have to come up with an excuse for it. Because like this time, you know, since it's a ninth watch, I I tried to spice it up a little. I'd be like, okay, so I'm only gonna restrict myself to one episode a night, and like spice make- it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I recorded it backwards and then played it really fast. <laughs> and then for the 11th watch, I'm thinking, because I was already planning the 10th watch to be one where I just like madly screenshot everything that I've wanted to screenshot because I installed the screenshot plugin. But then my mom took over last night. So then my 11th one is already also relatively planned out. So anyways, um, CD Projekt Red announced a new Witcher game on March 21. It's the start of a new saga. The game is is being developed using the Unreal Engine 5, and it is part of a technology partnership with Epic Games that has, oh. quote, been agreed upon for 15 years with a prolongation option, quote. I missed this part. That's two games. 
Yeah, so two games. They do state that quote there are no plans quote for the game to be exclusive to the Epic Game Store. Of course, that doesn't really mean anything when they say there are no plans because they can just do whatever they want. That, but that's true. But they have actually been pretty good at not doing stuff like that. Yeah, to, yeah. to be fair. To be fair to them, uh, the Red Engine is still being used for the Cyberpunk 2077 expansion that they announced within the post. Um, I can confirm, based on my aunt, whose dog is a programmer at CD Projekt Red, that the Mm. expansion will be entirely dedicated to Judy Alvarez, as it should be. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. Mm. Yeah, so um, cool for you to just like kind of break that news here, and yeah, especially wow. when Imran's not here to kind right. of like you know, I would say fa- I wouldn't say fact check. I don't want to. I don't want to use terms <laughs> like that, loaded terms. But no, I have an aunt whose dog is a programmer at CD Projekt Red. That's all the confirmation you need. Damn, I don't need Imran for that. Damn. <laughs> Jordan, uh, you're lucky that Jordan actually got off the call because otherwise Jordan could like pull out a thing that just says, I don't need Imran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, I mean, Jordan's going to listen mean. to this back, so that's easy. <laughs> that's a good point. Easy for us to get. To get yeah. Uh, more fodder for the soundboard. Good idea. I don't need Imran for 15 years. It's the start of a new saga. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm. Th- th- something else that was interesting about this is that one of their uh, leads uh, went on Twitter and was like, "Hey, like, here's something we didn't announce today. Um, that it's The Witcher Four. Like, he's right. saying, like, don't, maybe, don't call it that." And yeah. everyone's been calling it The Witcher 4 because they're just assuming it's the next major step in the saga. But I think they're not doing that because, and a lot of people have guessed this already, you're not going to be playing as Geralt, I think. That's, right. that's speculation. But That seems like a um, it's It seems like it's going in that direction. And if you play The Witcher 3, that's not a huge surprise. No, no. No. Um, but the but the poster that the teaser poster thing that they showed had uh, what I thought was a cat head like from the the cat school uh, mm-hmm. one of the disciplines but it's actually a lynx yeah and that is a I think I like correct me if I'm wrong I think that was like an unofficial like fanfic kind of thing that oh. then that then CD Projekt Red was like oh that's a cool idea and I guess they're incorporating it incorporating it into their story. Yeah, yeah, it says here in the notes that uh, confirmed by Global Communications Director Marcin Momot. Sorry if I'm butchering that pronunciation. It's probably Marsa Momo. Momo. Oh. A new school established post The Witcher 3 by members of the school of the cat, sorceress Kira Metz and Lambert. Yes. Kira you like Kira Metz? Oh, wait, did I, did I react to that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Um... Hmm. Yeah, no, Kira Metz was like tough for me because I was like, I I I was like, I know I got Yennefer. I, I know I'm looking for her and I know she's great. But Kira Metz is like here, you know. Right. Like I <laughs> she's very early in that game. Yeah, and I I I kind of dug Kira Metz in that game, to be honest. Yeah. Anyway. She was great. Yeah. yeah. Labert less so, but I mean Right. Yeah. That's how it is. But yeah, it's interesting. I always find it interesting in general that um, technically the Witcher games are considered like 
the largest, most expensive form of fanfic that there is, just because I, <laughs> I believe the author of the novels doesn't consider them canon. And like CD Projekt Red has yeah. come out and been like, yeah, these games aren't canon. Like they, they're our imagination of what happens after the novels. And they do, to their credit, weave that in quite well and in a believable way that makes them feel like canon. But technically, you could describe those games as like the set of like the biggest expansion. I mean, the biggest fan fiction that there is out there. So like that the School of the Links is then sort of introduced in this sort of fanfic thing is and then now it's being I, used for the next witcher game that's interesting to me i've said this before i think even on 99 potions fuck a canon so i don't true. give a shit <laughs> i'm so i people people get so worked yeah. up about what is canon what is not it's all fucking made up it's literally right. all made up and it's not a, all, even most of this stuff is not even made up by the same people most of the time if you look at the witcher books obviously a lot of those are written by one person then those books have editors that come in and make and differences here and there that uh, you know can change the meaning of a thing to be better or worse that you, you go to look at star wars or whatever and it's like literally all it is is <laughs> somebody in a suit somewhere looks at a big piece of paper and says yeah it seems okay right. i don't know that's canon I, now that one's was, not though i was literally gonna say I'm, i was late to this conclusion but star wars basically single-handedly told me that like I should really stop giving a shit about what's canon and what's mm-hmm. not because uh, the people in charge of canon are, are typically the worst people to be in charge of it. Right. So, and it's yeah. all just, Don't it's all meaningless. It. It's a, it's, it's a made bullshit. up term. You know, it's a more it's made up than it's NFTs for fiction. Yeah. I fucking hate it. I fucking, well, anyway, go yeah. read fanfic. Just get over it. If you don't like a thing, just go read the, the, <laughs> write a go, go write a fanfic over it instead. So uh, true. The last thing I will say about the Witcher thing uh, real quick is just because of the I missed the the Epic Game Store thing. But that actually follows in the footsteps of uh, Gog saying that they're kind of like walking back their releases. I think like uh, they're they're no longer going to be focusing on releasing new games or something like that. Or or they're done for the foreseeable future with old games, one or the other. I mean, GOG has been lagging behind most storefronts for a long time. I mean, it's been a way for... CD, for those who don't know, uh, good old games, GOG.com, uh, is the storefront that CD Projekt actually owns and operates. So right. whenever you buy The Witcher or any game from them, that money just goes straight to CD Projekt Red, basically. Um, so, yeah, that they've been having issues with the storefront for a long time, just in terms of um, number of users. Obviously, like Steam and Epic Game Store, and even like itch.io um, are kind of eating the lunch in a lot of ways of of this stuff. But the only thing I would say is that there are still a lot of really good vintage games on GOG. Right. And um, that's what like it started a, as. And it, yeah, and an easy DOS box installer basically on GOG, which is a way to play like really old games on a modern machine. For sure. um, so yeah, it sounds like they're kind of depreciating. GOG in the foreseeable future. I think they kind of see the writing on the wall that it's not like a viable long-term storefront, which I think they're, they're probably right about that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, like it, th- that aspect and then the Unreal Engine thing, they're also yet another studio that's basically spent years and years and millions of dollars to build their own 
uh, engine only to walk it back and use Unreal later, just like EA did with Frostbite and stuff like that. So yeah, Unreal is everywhere right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason too. It's, it's really good and easy to use. Like it is. You know, it's like there's a reason and there's the years and years and years, two decades now of support documents to basically go, you know, go through it. It's like, yeah, unless you're doing something unbelievably specific with your engine, it, it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's not not a huge surprise. Really cool. Um, the last thing that I would like to touch on in regards to this announcement is that... Um, to no one's surprise, Natalie was right. Or at least I think I'm right. Because um, I was like, why are they <laughs> announcing this now? First of all, we've they've basically screamed that they're doing a new Witcher game for the last yeah. several years. They've not been shy about it whatsoever. But I was wondering why they decided to pick this specific timing. And, of course, the announcement was done ahead of the start of GDC 2022, the Game Dev Burst Conference. So, and, and right after the announcement, I did see some folks from CDPR being like, hey, we're going to be around GDC and, you know, talking to people. So if you want to join the team and work on the next Witcher game, you know, get in touch. And so... Yeah. yeah, that's what I figured. We're seeing that uh, a little more transparently from Blizzard when they announced their unannounced survival game right. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Everybody's having trouble hiring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially yeah. the companies that have been in the spotlight for their controversies with labor and crunch and sexual harassment and other things such as Blizzard and CD Projekt Red, of course. Uh, CD, Projekt's Red, CD Projekt Red's reputation after the release of Cyberpunk 2077 has certainly gone downhill even if it's still one of the top developers out there so they need all the the enticement that they can get for hiring people and so i putting two and two together was quite easy even for someone with a, a little small brain cell like me i was like "Ooh, yeah. they must be doing this for that and they i think they are you, you cracked the case Cracked the case. Well, Call me Caitlin yeah. Kerriman from Arcane. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my <Well>, guy? <laughs> we uh, all wish them the best on The Witcher Andromeda. Uh, next on our wow. list. <laughs> wow. Kenneth barks. Like, just barges <laughs> in through the door. Like, oh, it's good. That's going to be a good one. <laughs> uh, I yeah, just love true. how he you got know? ratioed on the fanbite Twitter. <laughs> just mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> Listen. I, yeah, I we, wasn't gonna say it out loud, but yeah, we just we just let anybody tweet anything, I guess. I guess <laughs> so. Yeah, Josh was the first <laughs> quote retweet on that. Like, damn, we just let anybody tweet shit on here. <laughs> uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love uh, you, Kenneth. <laughs> we love you, Kenneth. Absolutely. We'll have more to talk about after a little bit here, but first, we're going to take a quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Another thing that I hope we love is a game called Forspoken, though it has been delayed to October 11th, 2022. So, so later this year, it was originally... Hmm? That was a good segue, by the way. 
Yes, thank you, Natalie. This is a, I know I know that you can recognize them now because I know you can also do them really well. Uh, originally set to release on Mar- May twenty fourth. March twenty fourth uh, would have been tomorrow, so that would have been funny. <laughs> That's a good point. I hadn't wow. thought about it's that. tomorrow. I mean, even May. Like, if you had told me today that this game was coming out on May twenty fourth, I'd be like, "That soon? No, yeah, it's soon. Yeah, because we don't know. It, we really don't know that much about this game. I don't right. think." It's we we we, we see some of the we see the combat. It looks open world. It's an isekai. There's cussing in it. Yeah, she's got um, sneakers, but yeah. it's in fantasy times. And whoa, whoa! Apparently I mean, that's honestly kind of cool. Like a sort of matriarchal system in that isekai mm. world. So I am interested in that, even if past showings of the game in regards to like its portrayal of its black woman protagonist and you know that that's been a a little a little odd at times the, the Wait, was, was walks, it the, the portrayal the or was it literally that weird sentence that they said during the interview with it, Ron? It, it, yes during that press uh closed demo that they had a while back in which they described phrase walk as hip hoppity uh but also <laughs> oh i mean john, <laughs> john brought up the cursing which i i do think is like a more subtle thing that mm. I, I believe Imran also picked up on it and I I felt weird about it as well so I'm glad that I I wasn't like insane or something for feeling that way it just felt like unnecessary like a lot of injection of cursing and I think I read somewhere about how they were like oh it's because she's had a hard life or something like that and I was like what are you talking about where is this going uh and and also the fact that uh, there are no black writers on the team. That's, no black think, women yeah, writing that's Frey. The, that's the big it's part. all yeah. white people. So because uh, they like asked them point blank, and they were like, "We consulted with some people." Like basically, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is like a very non-answer, and also just a, a bad answer. For more on that, I believe Jordan uh, Rami over at Gamespot was the one who asked them directly about that and included you know, that coverage and his overall uh, write-up of that press closed showing that they all participated in. But yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm, I don't know if cautiously optimistic because I, I don't know that I'm quite optimistic, but I, I am mm. looking forward to seeing what this game turns out to be. Um, game Informer recently released some exclusive coverage of the game, including some enemy and combat showcases. Combat is looking really good, honestly. Um, as someone who loves using magic in games and seeing that the combat is just entirely spell-based, um, I think it's it's been a better showing of that gameplay than they've had in the past. Uh, at one point yeah. she like skates on water with ice powers and then immediately like does this fire wheel spinny move on the enemies on the shore. And I just, I thought that looked cool. I just, it's I pretty like, cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks cool. And and you know, it, it just seems like it functions cool. So, um, one of the game informer videos, uh, explains the battle system, which like, So you have a triangle on the lower right side of the screen and the left and right points of that triangle hold the attack and support magic. And then the pinnacle of that triangle 
there's I guess they'll sort of build up to that pinnacle and then that's when you can unleash your most intense spells and to Luminous Productions credit like it, it looks very nice visually like at one point she rains down a storm of lightning on some enemies and at another point she creates this like tornado of wind and it all looks very good and nice so I, I can't say much about the actual identity of this game uh but I think the combat looks pretty good, so I, I'm interested in playing it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think I'm oh. excited too. I mean I'm at the very least interested. I'm very intrigued to see what this game is. Yeah, I mean, like it's you know, it's from the same general folks uh publisher that did Stranger of Paradise, so it's like who could right. go wrong? You know what I mean? Right. I mean Final that Fantasy was- fifteen. <laughs> I think Final Fantasy 15 is actually the closer thing because yeah. it's luminous. So. Yeah, that's true. No, I, I mean I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. It looks cool, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it seems to maybe not totally know what it is because right, like we I mean, were saying, I think the writing situation may be in such a way that this game doesn't have much of an identity. I would maybe speculate, but I mean, the game started as a tech demo, right? Yep. I think that that gets forgotten sometimes, but this was literally yeah. just like an, I think it was actually an unreal engine five tech demo. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like that kind of thing can happen quite a bit. I think you, we have seen, it's been a while since I feel like we've seen a game like made out of a tech demo in the way that people have in the past. Like that used to be more yeah. common, but you know, Oh, yeah. Guess it's worth trying out. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think is going to be worth a lot of people trying out, especially maybe even you, Natalie, you might be interested in some parts of this, but the Shin Megami Tensei Soul Hackers 2 got announced not yeah. too long ago. You are one of those That's really wild. Soul Hackers yeah. favorites, right? What, how long ago was the first one released? I think it, it was a long time ago, right? Just a really long time ago. Like, yeah. I don't yeah, know like anything about these almost games. Almost 30 years. Do you know if I have 20. to play the first one to play the second one? I've, I would highly doubt that they expect people to play a Sega Saturn <laughs> play game. Play a Sega Saturn game? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, it might be more likely that you've played the the uh, Nintendo 3DS version right. of it. Mm-hmm. But still, this is a... It, it, I, and I think probably this game, the sequel, is getting made on the back of that being fairly popular, if I remember mm. correctly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was still surprised that this got announced. I was like, wait, what? Um, yeah. But, it, but, but it seems... Wait, what? It wasn't even... Uh, Jordo says it was, re- it was released November 13, 1997. Yeah. I wasn't even a year yeah. old. Yeah, wow. it, was, it was 97. Yeah, I it's mean... Like 25 years ago. But, but this feels a lot like Atlas kind of feeling themselves right because like Shimogami Tensei 5 did well uh from what I understand and uh, obviously the Persona series has done amazingly well over the past couple entries um and so I think they're just kind of like digging into their bag and it's just like let's okay devil uh, uh, uh devil summoner soul hackers yeah let's go uh yeah, I'm expecting I'm expecting them to bring back digital devil saga like in the next five oh, years or something like they absolutely should they should I mean it's like it's time why not I mean, it's just as good as the other shit that they do. So, yeah. Um, Is that yeah, the one with the this. girl with the orange hair and the pink outfit? In I mean, that doesn't that doesn't double? narrow it down. Oh. But damn, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. They mostly had gray outfits and digital. Yeah, they're Devil Saga. very gray and digital devil. So, oh, 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 wait, did you say pink hair? Uh, like I think she has orange hair and like a pink oh. outfit. No, I think that's a different game. 
Yeah, don't mind me. Yeah, that's all right. But um, speaking of women, Soul Hackers 2 has a lady pro tag <laughs> named Rango, which apparently yeah. is quite the feat. Well, I mean, yeah, there's Shin Megami Tensei games don't have many female protagonists in general. No, so. no. Not, not main playable. I'm trying to like think of one game that they've had where Persona you played two? as... Persona 2 2, you, you play as uh, a woman. In the, the first part of that duology, you play as a, a guy. And then there's Persona 3 Portable, Portable had. Uh, which they kind of ignore gender, exists. Gender select? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and that's about it. I'm trying to, like, Strange Journey, you play as a dude. Shin Megami Tensei 4, 4 Apocalypse, 3, 5. It's all dudes. Persona has all been dudes other than that Persona 3 uh, thing not too long ago. D- Digital Devil uh, Saga, it's all dudes. Like, yeah, they just don't do this, like, ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they dudes. are. And Ringo's design is really cool. Yeah, I like her a lot. It's um, not some the- generic lady pro tag or, like, obviously pandering to, you know, the, the audience that Shin Megami Tensei games really love to pander to in general mm-hmm. uh, with their narratives, at least. Like, her design is just Honestly. really cool, so I hope she's well-written. It's always been weird to me, too. Like, uh, yeah, it's in Jordo, a.k.a. Steven. Yeah, I mean, my other thing, too, with this, like, I've never... I was watching this trailer, and I was trying to think about that, too. Like... I guess the idea is that they want the char- like the player to see themselves in the character. But if you are pandering to a uh, particular audience like that, wouldn't you want to make it a cute girl character instead? Because like it right. feels like people would want to see that character more. I don't know. Yeah, that's always been weird to me. But I like the look of Ringo quite a lot in this. Uh, she has a cool look. She seems like she's voiced and like has dialogue and stuff, which is also fairly rare for Shin Megami Tensei um, yeah. games. Wow. I don't think they've really... D- done that either in a very very long time even like the action games like uh digital devil or no not digital devil a devil summoner uh raidu kuzunoha which this shares a lineage with uh there's a series of playstation 2 games there's two of them uh set in like 1800s japan that are kind of tied to the soul hackers game through like some time travel shenanigans. And in the trailer for this, they actually do mention that they're looking for a character named Kuzunoha, which is a character from the first soul hackers, um, who ties into those, uh, 1800s games because of the time travel stuff. So that's very interesting. Otherwise it looks very Shin Megami Tensei five like, but it is not a switch exclusive. So maybe it'll run at more than 15 frames per second. (laughs) We can only dream. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who can say, (laughs) who can say, um, but yeah, say. it looks like it's a, uh, it looks good. Yeah. It seems uh, like people, they're taking, oops, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say for people who don't know that the soul hackers games, if you can't tell from the title have more of a kind of like, uh, teen to young adult hackers entering the matrix, doing a lot of like digital stuff like, oh, I've got this demon, but my demon can go into the internet for me. And there's like this whole internet world and the Digimon are loose and you need to send off your demons to fight them kind of thing. I wish I had a demon that could go on the internet, like on Twitter for me and tweet yeah, for me, me and look yeah. at my timeline for me so I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I like my demon to take to, t- uh, to take the psychic psychic damage for me, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah, please. Uh, John is weak to psychic damage. Strong to nuclear, though, which is really nice. Strong to nuclear. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this seems cool. I, I am interested mainly because Ringo's design, again, is really fucking cool. And yeah. I just think it's seems like they're taking some risks from the get-go with you know this 
and the second entry in a series that hasn't gotten <laughs> like a, that the first game was when I was one less than one year old even so I hope that still persists throughout the game that they that it doesn't just seem that they're taking risks and then they fall back on the tropes that they so safely tend to totally. rely on yeah I hope that it actually you know is a thing throughout the entire game because that would be really cool i i like shin megami tensei games i i like the persona series and i've been interested and i like what i see of uh fuck the one that just came out shit shin megami tensei 5 yeah yeah <laughs> no one with the one with the company's <laughs> title in it. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like they they rely on, on tropes that made me feel alienated a lot of the time as they do. a woman. So, uh, I mean, and as a queer even, person. So. Even just like ignoring the obvious, like, oh, they they basically never do male or, or female protagonists in these games. Like they treat women usually not they they often treat women uh, and queer people very badly in uh, Shin Megami Tensei games. There are exceptions to that rule, and I think they're they're better about it in spinoff games like this more so than they are in Persona, which Persona has its own team. Uh, the mm. same team that did Catherine, I think they're, are they just called like team P or something like that? So that's a different crew of people. And I think personas are definitely the worst offenders, uh, but they still have some issues even in the other games every once in a while. Uh, but yeah, I hope this is a, just at least a sign of a step in the right direction. Um, bare minimum, I'll like Catherine to play that cool character. so deep when I was like 12 or whatever, mm-hmm. whenever I played it, but it was a good game. Yeah. yeah. Juan. I like that remake a lot, actually. I like the, the Catherine full body. Yeah. I love Catherine. It's a fun game. Juan, I want to pick yeah. on you because we have oh, okay. a lot of things. <laughs> I always pick on you, but I want to pick on you specifically in this very moment. We have so many notes in here, but I was wondering any specific ones that seem of interest to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the really surprising things that has happened this month is the announcement of a new Valkyrie profile game. I think yeah. that is uh, shocking. I absolutely thought that series with, was dead and buried. Uh, Valkyrie Elysium is apparently in the works, and that is for uh, like PC, uh, PS5, and PS4, and it's due out at some point this year. Um, and it's, uh, it's a, uh, I think, the fourth official. Maybe it's the third. No, it's, it's at the least fifth. the third. It's the fifth, yeah. actually. Yeah. Wow. Because um, I forgot about the, the DS and the mobile game. There is a mobile game, which I totally forgot about. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, technically the fifth in the series. It's, it's going to be a 3D character action game. Um, it looks bad, I think, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Um, John picks this one because he like, looks bad. It, it doesn't look great. It looks very monotone. <laughs> John just um, sweating, looking down at the list of things he has to say. <laughs> it's a new game. It's number five. And then just like getting closer and closer to it. It does look bad, it though. It does look bad. Yeah, it does look bad. When I did see the trailer, I was like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> it does look bad. It doesn't look great because the first two games, one the first one came out on PS1. The second one came out on PS2. Um, those are both pretty interesting games. And yeah. I'm happy that this is getting another look, but it doesn't... Um, maybe it doesn't look like the best look it could be getting. I'll say that. Uh, but I'll, I'm still interested to see how it turns out. 
Well, those games were like interesting kind of like 2D side scroller RPG yeah. type things. This is like a 3D action game. Yes. So it's going to be a little bit different from, from how the originals were, but it's still kind of set in the same kind of world. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're like interesting characters in these games and usually an interesting battle system. Since it's a 3D character action game, they're going to probably lose some of that interesting battle stuff. But, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll find a way to make it. Uh, snazzy. So yeah. we'll see. It's the character we'll designer for Nier Automata 2, I believe, is on the yeah. on this one. Yeah. So it's got that going for it. It just looks very kind of washed out. Um, it really does. Which is, I mean, it's not like the original games were like hugely vibrant, but I always kind of attributed that to technological constraints and kind of like, hey, we want to show this kind of world, but this is how we can show it. And now that we have the technology, it's it just kind of looks washed out. I wish they were doing something a little bit different, but yeah. we still haven't seen a ton. So it could it could it could surprise me. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Natalie, thanks, for, then thanks for asking, Natalie. <laughs> just put it, like i i thought it was gonna be something you were gen well you seem generally excited for it in a sense yeah even though like this is you, an era of yeah, I mean, this, this, you know this was this was the series that there was a period when the ps2 was out where if there was a role-playing game released on the playstation 2 i would buy it um yeah. and, and, like it really didn't matter what it was um, I would buy it and play it. And like, I didn't play the original Valkyrie profile until much later. Um, but I played the second one and I thought it was really interesting. And so, yeah, I mean, it is definitely my era. I am excited that this is getting revived. It's just one of those things that I thought was dead. And I'm not saying it should have stayed dead, but I'm surprised it was revived. <laughs> That's all I'll say. It, it does have the feel of like those, a lot of Square Enix revivals of their like older franchises that maybe not a lot of people remember, which is like, uh -huh. we want to bring this back. Somebody somewhere in the company wants to bring this back, but we're not going to give them any money. We're not going to give them any money. And we're also not going to like put our back into it. Like, no, if you're going to revive something, then tell the new generation of kids why this is an interesting thing to be revived instead of right. just relying on a bunch of olds like Cat Bailey and I um, going on Twitter and be like Valkyrie profiles back. Like <laughs> that doesn't, I don't think that moves the needle. I mean, like I, I don't, maybe it does, but it's like, I don't think that's enough. You no, know, you can Com compare how things like this are announced or, or things like the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters are announced versus that like last Nintendo Direct that they did where they showed Live Alive and the right. Chrono, I mean, Chrono Cross remastered is obviously right. Square Enix, but like even that I think people are somewhat mixed on. But yeah. you, can, you compare how like they were like, hey, this was a really important game. Like the, tra right. the trailer for that thing was like, this is a very important game very to reverent. the history of this, you know, um, and they just don't do that with these. They, yeah. they, they, it, Square Enix just constantly feels like with like a company that is like on its back foot in a weird way that like that they're just like we just got to keep putting stuff out to make it to the end of next quarter and then we'll turn things around with XYZ or we, we're going to try this thing that is us chasing a trend that was popular two years ago and oops everybody has moved on to something else already by the time we get our version of it out and it's yeah. just weird yeah it is weird and they obviously have very successful things with Final Fantasy and such, but uh, with Final Fantasy 14 at the very least, mm -hmm. but, uh, it, it feels very much like one thing kind of propping up the entire company sometimes. Yep. It does. 
Yep. Uh, Natalie, did you have anything on this list that you wanted to talk about real quick since you offered John the option to do that? Yeah, honestly, there are like three things that I really want to talk about, but I guess uh, segueing from Final Fantasy XIV being the Square Enix juggernaut, uh, let's talk about Final Fantasy XIV updates for our listener. So on March 4th, there was the live letter focusing on Patch 6.1. Patch 6.1 is titled to New Found Adventures since it's going to serve as an indicator for the direction that Final Fantasy XIV will be going back to after Endwalker. And we're gonna, you know, be soaking up the feeling of being adventurers again. And given how that expansion ends, the, the character that talks to you at the end about, you know, the spirit of being an adventurer, I think that is an apt direction. Uh, we have a new side quest series called Tataru's Grand Endeavor, in which you will fight Tataru as the final boss. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's just, it was previously revealed and now I got a name and Tataru looked really cute on the screen for the live letter. Uh, we are also getting new role quests. So Yoshida-san said that they will include the characters that you helped throughout Endwalker who are going to be showing you their support for your help. Uh, crucially, one of the screenshots was Amerik. I'm excited to see Amerik, even though he didn't show up in my role quests, but I should be going back to do that because um, I'm just a whore for Amerik. Uh, I might have a piece I have going never, on Natalie, to Amerik. Can I, can you I be real with You're not an Amerik whore. No. I've never, uh, you know that I'm a whore for a lot of characters in Final Fantasy XIV. We literally had a long conversation about it uh, as I was beating Endwalker over the last weekend uh, together, actually, because mm-hmm, Natalie yeah. watched me play. Natalie texted me and was like, hey, can I watch you play the end of Endwalker? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I sat there the entire day. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> Uh, and we talked about a lot of that conversation was us talking about different characters that we thought were like extremely attractive in the new stuff. And I'm just going to say like Emmett Selk is still probably the greatest Final Fantasy character ever made. So true. Like um, just objectively. I've never, never gotten the Amerik thing. People fucking love Amerik. I've never gotten it. He's, he's nothing to me. He's gorgeous. But I mean, I don't know that man. He's he's beautiful. He's he's the one percent, but he doesn't act like the one percent. I mean, just has a recipe for just chef's kiss. But if you still need to be convinced after that, I might have a piece going up soon oh. about the men in Final Fantasy fourteen. I see. That's Stay interesting. Stay tuned for that. Um, I will. But yeah, I mean, uh-huh. you're a Zeno's pervert, so I could also say I've never understood Zeno's perverts. <laughs> I like, I guess I just like, he, like, Amaric is too perfect. He's too traditionally sexy. I need characters that are just like little weird rats and snakes and just f- fucking monsters. That's, Otherwise, I, 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 I can care. absolutely see it. Yeah. And that's what Emmett um, Selk is just a, yeah, a rat just a monster. Big rat. Just a, a big little, rat skunk man. A little bisexual freak (laughs) oh god i love him so much i love him so much uh anyways uh patch 6.1 will actually be the start of the duty support system for all four player instances from a realm reborn's uh main story so this essentially will function as a trust system for the older instances in the team's they're trying to make it so that you can play Final Fantasy XIV as 
a solo player, which I think is a really smart notion and one that they're really putting in so much effort into. Uh, So this will allow you to play alongside AI controlled party members instead of real players. Uh, They're also changing the MSQ duty roulette a little bit. So Praetorium will actually now, instead of letting you, you know, go off to make a snack and get a drink and maybe use the mm-hmm. bathroom, maybe take a nap, all, th- all of those things in one go, uh, the Praetorium will be split into three instances, a four-player dungeon, a four-player trial, and a solo fight. Uh, Castrum Meridianum is also changing from an eight-player dungeon to a four-player dungeon. And came- That's wild. Yeah. All that stuff is so wild. It's wild. Like, we're going to have so many people being like, back in my day, the Praetorium uh-huh. <laughs> was actually a thing that you would whip out your 3DS for. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I beat the entirety of Final Fantasy for the after years while waiting in queue for Praetorium, <laughs> watching those cutscenes. Exactly. And on the other hand, Cape Westwind, which is just like an embarrassing trial to be put into, uh, that short player eight player trial will now be a solo instance so won't really be part of the msq duty roulette uh and the msq duty roulette in general will still include praetorium and castor meridianum but it Mm. will also now get porta decumana the four player ultima weapon trial at the end of praetorium so, so that would be nice because yeah. that that song fucking whips and no one gets to hear it because everyone mm-hmm. just kills ultima immediately <laughs> ultima weapon <laughs> this is like all just basically the the too long didn't read for this for people who maybe don't know a ton about final fantasy 14 is basically they're just like doing a lot of work to remove even more friction from that early stuff for new players um mm-hmm. in a lot of this like the being able to use ai controlled companions a lot of people might be like well why do you want to use ai controlled companions in an mmo isn't the whole point that you're playing with other people and yes that is a big part of it but the thing is, the, every time they put out a new expansion for uh, Final Fantasy XIV, they always include at least one DPS class because they've said in inter- interviews and stuff, DPS is just like, everybody wants to play DPS. Like, nobody mm-hmm. wants to heal, nobody wants to tank, except for me and Natalie, who are perfect in every way. Um, but And John, actually. John, yeah, you yeah, also play I'm healer. A, I'm You're a white mage. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody on this just has good taste. But most of the people, the unwashed masses out there, don't. They want to play, I don't know, fucking samurai or whatever. And so the DPS queues are just clogged and clogged and clogged and clogged. So if you are trying to just get through some of the mandatory story quests in Final Fantasy XIV you will get locked into situations where it's like, I'm just waiting here for 30 minutes just to get into this one dungeon that I don't want to do, but I have to do it for the story. Whereas now with this, you will just be able to get through it. And then you can wait in queues to get the queue bonuses and the duty roulette bonuses, that sort of stuff later while you're doing other stuff, but you can proceed with the story. Yeah. And it's also a pretty bold move just in the sense that like, They're like, yeah, some people have social anxiety or they just don't (laughs) like to play with other people, which is a very fine and acceptable and understandable position to have. So, hey, we have a really banging story just waiting for you to pay money to, you know, engage with and get to know and discover all of our amazing characters. So you don't have to 
play with other people to do that. And I, I think that's really cool. So they've been working towards this for a while, but now it's really going to be rolled out. Um, and in the service of being more accessible to people, there are going to be some quality of life updates. There's going to be the Unending Codex, which will act as a glossary and reference book to help players keep track of terms and characters. That's going to be so helpful. Uh, I do like that Yoshida has gone on record to be like, shit, I don't know what some things are sometimes like so obviously players need that too uh so that will be great uh we're also getting adventure plates which will be like customizable character portraits that you can create in the game and then apply separate adventure plates to different gear sets mm -hmm. uh, and just in general the inventory and market board will be easier to navigate there will be check marks on the things that you already own which is kind of wild that we don't already have that but it's really cool that they're going back and you know creating these quality of life yeah. updates uh, final fantasy 14 is in sore need of some uh, John, I'm sure you can speak to this even as somebody who's played just the very beginning of it, but like it is in sore need of some better inventory management, some better oh, UX. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Desperately. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I feel like also, Natalie, you kind of glossed over, or maybe you maybe you just didn't mention it, the most important thing in this uh, expansion news or in this update news, which is that Tataru is getting her own series of side quests, which is one of the funniest yes. things I've ever heard. I did gloss uh, over it a little bit. I called her the final boss because she. The final boss. we all know that she is the most powerful being in the universe of Final Fantasy XIV, but yes, yeah. just for emphasis, because I do remember that Steven wrote in these notes, hooting and hollering. is <laughs> <laughs> great. She Tatara's doesn't get enough time. Great. Uh, we were we were watching the literal Endwalker ending and just being yeah. like, man, Tatara's a bad bitch. She just loves everybody and she's just always there. She's a true support player. She's just always there helping everybody on this squad and I love it. In addition to all of this, there will also be new hairstyles for Hrothgar and Viera, which will be of much joy to Steven, who actually changed from, was it an aura to a Viera? And your Viera yes. looks immaculate. I was seeing them on the screen the entirety of Saturday, and I was just like, I love them. Like, this is a little <laughs> slut. I love them with amazing exactly makeup. That's exactly what I'm going for. Mm -hmm. So true. Uh, the team is also increasing the number of glamour plates available. Oh my goodness. Thank God. Because I have to constantly replace mine to get the outfits that I mm -hmm. want to wear. Uh, players will get to access five more plates. And now that will be a total of 20. So a very <laughs> requested, very needed option. Thank you. Oh my goodness. John how excited are you for things like new getting more glamour plates? I mean, I'm super excited for this thing I won't understand for another two hours. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I can't actually wait. keep playing, you're going to think back on this podcast and be like, of course they were fucking wow. excited about that. I remember the March 24th uh, episode of 99 <laughs> Potions where we talked about this and I got excited for the thing I did five years later. 
Yeah, five years ago, or five years from now, John, I'm also a whore for Emmett Selk. (laughs) I just want to bury my face in that big dumpy ass. (laughs) It's still one of my favorite uh, tweets I've seen in a long time was somebody saying, like, the trajectory of a Final Fantasy XIV player is somebody being like, I don't know what the fuck you all see in this game. I'm only in a Realm Reborn. It seems like it fucking sucks. And then you check back on them six months later and their new Twitter username is Emmett Selk's also got this john hold your horses we're gonna be able to activate glamour plates in nearly every sanctuary holy shit i Listen, it sounds, to our listeners, it might sound that we're being ironic. That's actually really fucking cool because I'm tired of going to the Crystarium Pendants every time that I want to change my glamours. So, yeah. yeah. So this is for you then. (laughs) It's for you, Natalie. Yes, for for little fashion sluts like me uh, that love (laughs) to just... It is so different when the game gives you the option to have your tatas out and when it forces that on you. Mm. When you are just given the choice to do it and you choose to just walk around in a bikini and save the world with like little to nothing on your body. That's like chef's kiss of a feeling. You've you've really hit the nail on the head for like the thing that like determines whether something is cheesy and cringe or if it's actually just cute and good. And it's, do I get to choose? Right. Absolutely. Like when you were doing the very final trial of Ann Walker, I was actually, I actually checked all the other people that showed up on the screen. Cause I was like, <laughs> it'd be really fucking funny if you have some skimpy, like bathing suit person for this incredible trial that Steve yeah. has been so excited for. <laughs> The final, the final trial is very good, and also I also did the same thing, Natalie, because it always shows you in the cutscene like what all your people look like. And so I was just looking like, okay, who's going to be wearing a bikini and who's going to be doing cosplay of Mugiwara uh, pirates in the background here? Okay, okay, okay. Actually, it was very uh, the the people that I got were very uh, standard, honestly. Yes, so. I was surprised and quite pleased. Uh, in addition to all the glamour stuff that we've said so far. The team is trying to double the number of available glamour dresser slots from 400 to 800. That's massive. Uh, But this change will come until probably patch 6.2 at earliest. Uh. But just that they're thinking about these glamour things and working towards them after so many requests have been made. It just feels good to know that it's on the way. Uh, we're also getting a new feature in some sort of subsequent patch. We don't know exactly which one, uh, but we will get a new feature called Dream Fitting, which will allow you to try on the Mog Station items in-game that you can buy from the Final Fantasy XIV store, which is great for me. I, I love buying things on the Mog Station store. I'm a whale for this mm-hmm. game, and so... Yep. But it's nice that I can try them on before actually committing to buying them because it has happened before where I'm like, damn, I bought this whole shit for $20, but it looks ugly on me except for like 
the one hair <laughs> accessory. So I'm never wearing that ever again. Uh, but I this mean, will be if you wanted to, you. if you wanted to try and like make a character that looked like you and then put different clothes on them before this time, you could always go to the linkshell.com and use our uh, Final Fantasy 14 model viewer to do it uh, yourself in the browser without ever booting up the game. Just that saying. This is very, very true. Speaking of making yourself in a game, I don't think I've ever revealed this. This is so off topic and it's not even an RPG, but I feel like it's a good <laughs> time to reveal it now. Uh, I, y'all know Soul Calibur, right? Soul Calibur 6 was good. Character creator was incredible. One of the best ones. Uh, my favorite thing that I did in that game and that I might have done in any game ever is that I created me like I named her Natalie and I gave her really normy clothes like <laughs> a flowery skirt and like a button-up shirt and whatnot she has glasses she looks she's literally me and then she has like the nightmare sword and then she has this <laughs> alien voice that's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like when she like attacks people it's like <laughs> so you you really did just put yourself in soul caliber yeah, yeah. <laughs> yourself doing your fucking uh, British accent <laughs> oh, oh let me do the in British version mouth. <laughs> I'll get to the British version of the alien predator, Natalie. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what was that? Wow. That was, that was the same thing, except you were choking on your tea. That's what... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you will be able to do that. <laughs> Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, other things, data centers will be coming in patch 6.18. There's also going to be Ishgard housing and the Crystalline Conflict PvP mode. That's all going to come with 6.1, I believe. So, yeah, those were the Final Fantasy XIV news for this month. We we pretty much have a segment dedicated to to Final Fantasy XIV each uh, news quest. So, mm-hmm. that about wraps it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that about wraps up this whole thing. There's a couple of other small things on here. We could just basically blast through. I was just going to say, just pour one out for Dragalia Lost, one of the first games I covered here at yeah. Fanbyte. Uh, to any great extent, they are uh, wrapping up service for that game very shortly, uh, which is not super surprising to me, personally. That game was always kind of weird because it is ex- it's Nintendo published, but Psy Games, the creators of Grand Blue Fantasy, developed it. So right. it was like Nintendo kind of, by the sound of it, like was always pushing them to like just give away lots and lots of free stuff. It also wasn't, it was like, Weirdly fa- family friendly for a gotcha game, if that uh-huh. makes sense. Yeah, uh, the characters were not uh, horny enough, and perhaps that is why I eventually jumped the ship to Grand Blue Fantasy and Genshin Impact. <laughs> um, for me personally, I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking. I don't know what the other people in the world think. But, I think uh, you could speak for a lot of people and say <laughs> you that. Speak for a lot of people, probably. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Steven's like I'm the only it? horny person in the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one brave enough to write about it on fanbyte.com. Uh, we also had a, a Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song got a review, gameplay reveal trailer, which is very funny <laughs> to me just because uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 is never coming out. What's, <laughs> what's, what's the over-under on games that co- are going to come out in this franchise before Bloodlines 2? Oh, yeah. I mean, the we, we've already had the Battle Royale, right? That's like uh-huh. at least yeah, a beta. That's, that's one. Swan Song's two. I bet there will be a third. There were they they put out a bunch of like visual novels that I'm sure somebody along yeah, the chain true. was like these are gonna these are gonna prime the pump for Bloodlines two when that finally comes out people are gonna get excited for this world again and it's oops never mind mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going nowhere yep. just for reference for our listeners the last update that we got on Bloodlines two 
was in February 2021, over a year ago, when Paradox revealed that Hardsuit Labs, which was the original developer of that game for however long it was in development, it was just going to be replaced. Yeah. And like no real yeah. context on it. Anyway, we're taking the developer off of this game and replacing them with somebody else. Bye. Don't even say who that somebody else is. Just that's the last update. So if so you wild. are excited for more Vampire the Masquerade material, Swan Song releasing on <clears throat> May 19th for PlayStation, Xbox and PC. That's going to be your best bet. It's a narrative RPG. Yeah. So it'll yeah, that'll have to suffice. And then uh, those, uh, them, their Warner Brothers video games are still coming out too, which just, contrary to uh, the Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 thing, our games where I just keep asking myself, wait, really? Are they still making those? Like, what? <laughs> Every time that they announce new information about either Gotham Knights or Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, I might be in the minority on this, but I keep thinking to myself, who is this? For? Who are either of these games for? But maybe there are a lot of people out there who are just like, still diehard Arkham Asylum fans who also want to play a video game that is not Arkham Asylum, but is kind of Arkham Asylum, I guess. I don't know. I think it would be neat if they um, instead made a game that was a lot more like Arkham Asylum than a lot like Arkham Knights, which uh, I think those both of those games are going to be a lot like that game, um, which is just to say a really large open world game. And Arkham Asylum was just a better game than that stuff because it was a tighter experience. But mm-hmm. but we're not going to go back to that. We're just going to have big, giant open world experiences and never go back to the way it should be. Anyway, and this is why and Final Fantasy Thirteen is good. Mm. Yeah, it was mm. a, a linear experience. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's that's exactly right. Was that, I yeah. guess that was my point. Uh-huh. I guess yeah. that was yeah, my that's, point. That's what John said. Yeah, that's what yeah. I said in so many words is that Final Fantasy 13 is <laughs> the good one. So mm-hmm. just do it that way. Yeah, I'm glad we got that out. Yep. I am withering uh, in my chair. <laughs> I I'm and I'm when I say this, I mean, no disrespect to Mike Williams, fanbyte.com uh, staff writer who is a huge Dick Grayson fan. Um, unironically, I'm not joking about that. He's just he really likes Nightwing. Um, but yeah. I just don't I just don't see what the, these games are or why they exist. Anyway. I mean, to, to, to me, it just seems like a weird bridge between the Arkham trilogy and then a new Arkham trilogy because there's no fucking way Batman is actually dead in this game. Oh, no, absolutely not. There's just no way. So anyway, Um, that's that's all. There'll be a fucking DLC where at the end it's like Batman is still, but also like it's been 20 years since Arkham Knight came out and it wasn't a good game when it did. Like it has always seemed kind of weird to me, like how precious Rocksteady is about that franchise. And like, they're good games, but two of them are anyway. And mm-hmm. I really liked Arkham Asylum and I liked Arkham City a lot too, for that yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they were like, there was all that weirdness about like some other team being assigned to make a prequel. But then every time Rocksteady talked about the franchise, they talked about the Arkham Knight Trill or the Arkham Asylum trilogy and always left right. out the prequel that they Arkham didn't make. Arkham Origins, which is, which is, by the way, pretty good and also a it's Christmas game. Yeah, it's a Christmas game. It's kind of fun. Anyway, that's why. Yeah, that's why nobody's out on the streets because there's a big blizzard on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Everybody's indoors. Yeah, um, it's a pretty it's a fairly fun game. And they, they they always had like a weird chip on their shoulders about it. And then they haven't put out a video game in 20 years. And like, who cares about that 
particular narrative anymore. Who cares about that? The saga of Arkham Silent right. at this point. I just, I don't yeah. get it. Um, do something else. Anyway, we're going to do something Nights else. It's going to release on October 25th, by the way. I don't know if we mentioned the date. I don't think we actually said the news. We I didn't think say just, the date. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. and Su- Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad got, got delayed. delayed to spring 2023. Gotham Knights is coming out at, at the end of the year. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Gotham Knights is not Rocksteady. Who is that? I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. Mm. Well, you know what? That's, that's an unprofessional and silly answer. Mm. Mm. Just like saying that Final Fantasy 13 is not good. It's just, it's it's just, uh, it's WB Games Montreal specifically. Montreal. Okay. It's like the, I think that's the Arkham Origins team. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, And that's like the, it's a continuation of Arkham Asylum, but it's the characters, like the sidekick characters, and it's a co-op game. And I've yeah. never gotten a really strong idea of what that thing actually is. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I think co-op optional. I think you can base. You're basically just going to be going through an Arkham Knight-like experience, but playing as any of those four characters. I believe. Like, is it Avengers? Is it like? Is it just you're no, going through I, and beating people up? I don't think it is. I do think it is like a more of an open world, like puzzle solving kind of, because you're, this is also uh, the, um, I almost said the league of owls, but the court of owls. Um, yeah. it, it, you're, you're basically trying to unwrap a mystery about, I think the death of Bruce Wayne and right. cause that's set up in spoilers. Uh, that's set up in Arkham Knight. And so there is, there is, and it's like those four characters. It's like, it's Jason Todd, who was the villain for most of Arkham Knight. Um, Dick Grayson, Barbara Gordon, and then Tim Drake, like you're all four of them are helping you by the end of, by the very end of Arkham Knight. And there are those four basically unraveling whatever happened to you, uh, to, to Bruce Wayne. So it's like, I don't know. It like, it could be fine. I don't know, but the, the, the kind of the, everything surrounding how they've shown these two yeah. games off has just been, it's been off to me. Yeah, totally. Um, something has been off. So. There's something perfunctory about so much of it. Like, yeah. again, mm-hmm. it just, it feels like stuff that if this had come out three years ago, then it'd be like, oh, okay, sure. Um, but now maybe because of the weird Warner Brothers merger buyout type stuff and all the uncertainty around the games being yeah. developed and who owns what franchises now, yeah. maybe just keeps getting pushed back and pushed back. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the court. I will say the Court of Owls. I am shocked has not been like adapted into more stuff in DC right. at this point. Sure. Because it is, like, probably the coolest thing that they have done in Batman in, like, 20 years in the comics. And everybody talks about it that way. And yet they've, like, the movies haven't really touched it. They don't really do anything Batman-related TV-wise. And this will be the first video game that I think does anything really major with it. So that's interesting. Yeah. Hopefully it's uh, good. But at the same time, I just, yeah, like you said, John, it just feels off. Yep. Uh, You know what doesn't feel off? What, Steven? 
ending this show. I think that feels just about right. <laughs> okay. <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> we have nothing left on this document. <laughs> and I'm sure Jordan needs to go uh, back into his toad hole. So we are going to return to our respective holes here at the hmm. end of another episode of 99 Potions. We Thank already you, talked everybody. about Emmett Selk already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> um, we'll get back to that. I, I have another thing to go do after this involving writing about Emmett Selk and his holes. So, Stephen uh, and I share it as senior uh, and assistant managing editors, right? That's, that's really what the titles boil down to, that we both mm-hmm. go into the Emmett Selk hole. Yeah, exactly. I've, Good you Lord. know... I, What's that? That's a good lord. (laughs) (laughs) We have to end it there. Anyway, (laughs) thanks everybody for listening to another episode of 99 Potions of Premier RPG podcast on fanbyte.com. That's not how I usually say that, but we're going to roll with it anyway because (laughs) I have been uh, Stephen Strum. You can find me on Twitter at at Stephen Strum. Where can people find you, Natalie? At Party Macia on Twitter. That's heart I am ACIA. Final Fantasy 8 reference, just like Final Fantasy 13. A good game. Oh, they're doing the thing again. <laughs> Where can you find you, John? <laughs> you can find me at Floppy and Told. I did not understand that. I did not understand like Final Fantasy 8, like Final Fantasy 13. I didn't understand that at all. I was flabbergasted by That's why I, I wanted to give that one some room. <laughs> um, my my uh, handle is not, um, it has nothing to do with Final Fantasy, but it's, it's Floppy mm. Adult, so. Wonderful. And yeah. I don't think Jordan's has anything to do with Final Fantasy except no. the fact that Toad is a is a spell that you can get mm, cast it's on. It's frog, you actually. Well, Final Fantasy Four, it's Toad. Oh, it's Toad. That that's true. Yeah. <gasps> so the Toad Hole Master himself, Jordan Mallory, you can find on Twitter at Jordan underscore Mallory. And you can find all of the stuff that we do here on fanbyte.com at fanbyte media on Twitter, or just go to fanbyte.com. We've got a lot of really, really good, really good stuff up right now. Like we've actually kind of been laying out some bangers recently. So you should definitely yeah. give it a look. Ooh. Check out our Elden Ring coverage in particular, if you love yourselves some RPGs, because we've been hitting that hard. And Funke just actually posted a really good, speaking of glamour plates, piece about Final Fantasy, not Final Fantasy, Elden Ring fashion. Um, and both how interesting and good it is and how it could be better, especially with regards to representing black players. Yeah, it's a really good piece. Yeah. And we're going to do what we do at the end of every single episode of 99 Potions, the premier fanbite RPG podcast, and sidle on over to the bar, sit down on a stool, grab a bottle opener, wipe the sweat from our brow, so true. Kick off our shoes. Yeah. At the bar? Open a window real quick to let the smell out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have to climb Jordan. onto the stool. Uh-huh. Jordan just says band. <laughs> no shirt, no, sure, no gonna, shoes, no service. <laughs> we'll get some uh, phone books for Natalie to sit on so she can talk to us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, and we are going to uh, grab ourselves a big old tall glass of potion and give it a good old death. Clink. Clink.